complicated place in all the world. Anyway, she met a deaf person and wasn't able to communicate with the person. And uh, so she was asking, well, can I pray for you? So she prayed for the person. And then at the end of the prayer, she began to communicate, and the person could understand her. And she could understand the person's sign language. It was like a miracle happened in that moment. And then later, she met another person and couldn't communicate a thing. So she knew the Lord's light just shined on that particular encounter, and it was pretty cool. That happened. It's new kind of tongues and interpretation. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'd like to speak to you for just a very few minutes this morning on the truly blessed life. Our uh, desire to share testimonies with you from the mission field uh, that I'm going to spin off from isn't to put guilt on us for being Americans, guilt on us because our fathers formed a society with which people are able to prosper, and we have a Bill of Rights that slowly does its work to bring justice in the world. Not going to put guilt on us because you have a car and air conditioning. But I do want to challenge you to understand that the, all the blessings we have doesn't bring true satisfaction. It does not bring joy. And you could be as poor as can be and can come to the Lord and find joy, fulfillment, and satisfaction. You can experience all the pleasures of the world, and there is pleasure in the world, but the Bible talks about the passing pleasures of sin. And that's my desire today, especially to those of us who are younger, to outshine the flicker of temptation with the forest fire of God's love. Amen. Proverbs 10.22 says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And as we keep in contact with these Romanian brothers and sisters and these gypsies, we're going to begin to see God's hand at work in their life, and material things are going to begin to come their way, all right? And, but we pray that they never succumb to those as the source of their joy and fulfillment. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and here's the difference between his blessing and the world's blessing. And he adds no sorrow with it. Can you say no sorrow? no sorrow? The blessing of the Lord makes us rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. You may have a dream of getting a car. This car is going to be awesome. And then in some God-forsaken place in that car, it's going to let you down and die. You have to replace the battery, replace the tires. You have to maintain the stuff that is supposed to bring us joy. Proverbs 15.6 says, In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. So it's not wrong to have things. It's wrong for things to have us. My joy must come from the Lord and not from the latest model of a cell phone that I have. And God forbid that the battery should die in the middle of an important conversation. My joy must come from the Lord. Here's a statement I wrote. In our prosperous culture of getting all we can and canning all we can get, one can easily fail to see the bankruptness of our own souls as we are kept so busy paying for and maintaining all this stuff that we believe is so necessary for the happiness of our souls. Speaking of ourselves as Americans, if the shoe fits... There you go. What we all need to be pursuing is the blessing of God in our lives. And he will enable us to truly enjoy all of his blessings. So it's not to pursue 
God for stuff. It's to pursue God for God. Uh, the other day, I went to one of the biggest Christian bookstores in the nation, and right smack dab center in the bookstore was a book I could not believe. Stack of books. How to get what you want out of God. Well, God promises to supply our needs. In fact, there's one verse that says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. But our ultimate desire must be delighting in Him. He is the source of my joy. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. Wayne Myers, missionary to Mexico, said, I've never seen a hearse pull in a U-Haul. Hearses don't have trailer hitches. Imagine how long that would be. be like an 18-wheeler. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Let's leave the materialistic rat race for the rats and draw our strength from the Lord and allow Him to give us creative ideas and He can make you rich without the sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and He adds no sorrow to it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. This should be our goal and lifestyle. God is the cause of contentment. It is godliness that allows us to enjoy it. Nothing else. Not worldliness or selfishness, but godliness. It gives us the contentment we need. James 4.1 has this stern rebuke to believers. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder, that is, you slander people, and covet and covet what others have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. Adultery is the sin of unfaithfulness to one's spouse and in a coveting believer's life, we are unfaithful to our God when we look to stuff to bring us joy. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? We have a God who is jealous. And his jealousy is for our attention. His jealousy is for our attentiveness to his presence his word and his ways. His jealousy is for our benefit. Many times our human jealousy is not for the benefit of the one we're jealous over, but for our, we, you know, we want everything to ourselves. Sometimes I tell a vet, you're mine. That's that human jealousy. But God's jealousy is for our benefit. He yearns for communion with us. The world has its treadmills. 
And like the hamster who thinks he's going to get there one day, <laughs> we're duped by stuff. That house I just have to have is going to need to be painted one day. It's going to need to be re-roofed. My joy comes from the Lord. Amen. By pursuing our blessing rather than God who blesses, pause, we will become discontent because only he can satisfy. Only Jesus can satisfy our soul. Amen. As the blessing of the Lord brings riches without sorrow, so it also brings pleasure without sin. Healthy, pure, guilt-free, long-lasting, and free. The pleasure of the Lord does not kill your brain cells. You'll never catch a disease from it. And it will never break up relationships. The pleasure of the Lord is something he has for us to experience in his presence. He yearns jealously for us. And as we meet with him, this is what we encounter when we come to worship. We know it doesn't take 30 seconds to touch God and get his attention. But we want to stay there for a while. Amen. Receive strength that we need from him. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, eventually they have to shut six flags down, as fun as it is, to maintain all that stuff. Eventually you get tired of writing, just fill in the blank, whatever that pleasure ride is that you love the most. For me, it's certainly not the conquistador. It makes me sick. Proverbs 21.6 says, you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad in your presence. There is gladness in the presence of the Lord. There is joy in his presence. There is pleasure in his presence. What we need is in his presence. Are you bored with life? Are you bored with God? Are you bored with church? I want to challenge you today to set yourself on a quest to renew your appetite for God and the things of God. Are you a person that's adventure-oriented? Man, there's no adventure like a mission trip. Are you a person that's knowledge-oriented? You want to research stuff? You, you get into concepts and ideas? Man, the Bible's full of stuff that you can go so far and deep into that book that you never come back. Are you a relational person? Do you love people? Man, God's into reconciliation and building strong relationships. How are you wired? God has what you need. Not this world. While our unbelieving culture sings songs like, I can't get no satisfaction, or I still haven't found what I'm looking for, our Lord promises and gives genuine satisfaction to all who will thirst for him. Is that not the truth? I thirst for him. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. We're not talking about dead, dull, dry religion where we just go through the motions and act out some ritual and do what the words on the paper tell us to do, but we're talking about encountering the living God. Many times what keeps that from happening is sin that's in our life. 
And so if we want to encounter the living God, we've got to vacate a place in our life. Sometimes it can be at church on Sunday and say, Lord, my heart's not right. My walk's not straight. My thoughts aren't pure. My works are not pleasing to you. Please forgive me and begin to repent. And when you get that barrier removed, you'll begin to experience God's presence. Psalms 36, 7 says, How precious is your loving kindness, O Lord. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied. Everybody say, abundantly satisfied. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light is light. Have you ever been somewhere where you weren't well received? Maybe a family reunion or, or a, a class reunion where people remember you as the goofball and now that you're the scholar, the millionaire, the successful man, you're just not able to be the real you around people that don't, won't receive you as such. Christ experienced that in Nazareth because he was raised there before he began his ministry there. He worked as a carpenter there. They thought, who does he think he is, saying he's been anointed to do great things for God? And the Bible says because of their unbelief, he could only do, a f he could only heal a few sick people and could do no mighty work there. Could it not be that when we come to God's house, we don't allow him to be himself in his own house because we won't receive him for who he is? He is the source of abundant satisfaction. The fullness of his house brings rivers of pleasure with which, with which we can receive what we need from him. Psalm 65, 4 says, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. I want the Lord to develop a taste, develop an appetite in every member of this church, every believer in Granbury, develop a hunger to be satisfied with his house. He has what we need. Psalm 107 verse 8 says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. The difference between an unsatisfied soul and a satisfied soul that's filled with the goodness of God is the state of hunger. Or you could say it like this. If you're indifferent, the Lord's going to respond to you that way. Jesus gave this promise, Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, I know righteousness is often defined as right relationship. We have the gift of righteousness. Christ has given us the right to a right relationship with God. And so that barrier has been removed because of him. But here he's promising to fill us with righteousness. Fill our lives with righteousness. Make our relationships right with ourselves, with our families, even with our enemy. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. In John 7, 37, Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So the condition for the promise of having these rivers of living water flowing in our life, the condition is our thirst. Jesus said, Come to me, all you. Everybody say all. all. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Even in the Old Testament, God had rest for his people. But those to whom it was promised in the wilderness were not able to enter into his rest because of their unbelief, because of their distraction. You know, if I could just be a slave again, I wouldn't complain. If I could just go back to Egypt, I'd be happy. But out here in the wilderness with all these challenges of life, I can't rest. They kept looking back to Egypt when God wanted them to look to him for their strength, their vitality, their purpose, their joy. It's my prayer that these gypsy Romanian believers never look to Americans for their joy. Oh, I can't wait till they come back again. We're going to have Coca-Cola. No, may they look to the Lord as the strength of their life. May we do the same. In spite of their circumstances, truly blessed people can be strong and fearless because God is their source of strength. Do you draw strength from God? Do you seek him for him? Are you vulnerable to temptation right now? I've got good news. Begin to pursue God for the satisfaction that the temptation is promising you that it will bring. Temptation is a lie. It will not bring satisfaction. It will bring with it more desire for another. Well, if I could just do it again, if I could just get high again, then I would find the satisfaction I need. If I could just get another boyfriend or another girlfriend, or another spouse, then I'd really be happy. Or another job, then I'd really be fulfilled. The prophet Jeremiah prophesied this, that God's people had committed two evils. They had forsaken him, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. All that stuff is just stuff. But God is our life, our joy, and our peace. So I want to end this morning with an exercise. For the next few minutes, please don't leave. And we're going to, when I give you the signal, we're going to play a song. And what I want you to do is to assume a posture of focusing upon the Lord. And if there's anything in your life that is keeping you from being satisfied with him. It could be the lack of knowledge. You've heard the truth today. It could be some sin. It could be indifference. It could be a lack of thirst, whatever it is. Just as we listen to this song and you assume that posture of seeking the Lord, deal with that and say, Lord, I want, I want to come to you regularly for my satisfaction. And I'm telling you, if, if today can be the start for you, Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to go to him. You just are to receive what brings satisfaction, to receive 
what joy can bring. And so as he starts the music, the front is open. Find a place to pray at your seat or come forward and just do business with God. Amen. And begin to seek him. Say, Lord, make me thirsty. Make me hungry for you. Lord, I recognize you're the one that can satisfy.
Oh